Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, episode 21. We want to apologize for getting this episode out late this week. The uh, downside of having Nick visiting the D.C. Outpost was that he had a 30-hour trek back to Houston, and uh, we didn't want to risk his life on the road or, more importantly, the audio quality by trying to get him to record while he was on the road. Yep. So uh, when I asked Nick if he was going to watch the Patriots-Jaguar game on the NFL Game Pass during the drive, he said that he'd rather wash his eyes out with acid. And I'm guessing a lot of Steeler fans feel the same way. I I had a lot of dissonance about this game. Not really wanting to see Jacksonville win, but obviously there are no ties that end up eliminating two teams at once from the playoffs. So there we sit with our cognitive dissonance. All we could hope for was a natural disaster, and that didn't happen. So here we are. Patriots are back in the Super Bowl once again. At least the Jaguars are unhappy, and maybe this will cause them to keep Blake Bortles because – my opinion on the Jaguars is if they get Kirk Cousins, Tyrod Taylor even, it looks like Elon Manning's staying in New York, but if they got anyone decent, I think that they'd be the Super Bowl favorite by a long shot with the unbelievable talent they have on both sides of the ball, getting back their number one receiver last year. So let's hope that this actually is a positive and it keeps Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. And let's hope the Eagles can pull off a miracle. Uh, a la the New York Giants against the Patriots, because uh, nobody wants to see that dude win. Well, the Patriots, once again, climb Mount Inevitable. They'll probably do it in the Super Bowl, because I think Nick Foles used yeah. up his deathbed wish early in life. Huh. Maybe. I mean, they're yeah, they're just a better, more solid team. But, hey, the Eagles put up 38, and they had a defensive touchdown, but 38 against a much better defense than what they're going to be playing against the Patriots. The Vikings' defense in terms of talent, I mean, it's right there up there with Jacksonville. But, you know, it's Bill Belichick, two weeks to prepare. It's Bill Belichick in a Super Bowl. It's Tom Brady and the and the freaking Patriots. We know what's going to happen here. Uh, we can only team hope in the NFL. that. Yes, that's been an interesting stat, right? So speaking of that, at least penalized team in the NFL, the Steelers fans and the conspiracy theorists are loud this week. People are out of their minds. There's only been one team ever to record five games in which they only amassed 10 or less yards of penalties, and that was the Patriots this year. Five times they had 10 yards or less. The next closest team had three games with 10 or less, and guess who that was? Last year's Patriots and a different Patriots team. So is that a testament, a testament to their incredible discipline and buttoned-up nature of the team, which is pretty much their hallmark, or is it a little bit fishy because if we can call a holding on every single NFL play, how does how do you get out with 
one penalty in five games in a row. It is a little bit weird, but I mean, they win the games. What are you going to do? Are you going to watch the Super Bowl? I don't know. Honestly, I, I said I wouldn't watch it last year, and I ended up doing it um, because I heard the Falcons were up 14 0. So that didn't end well for me. But um, I legitimately do not know if I'm going to watch it. Yeah, me either. I'll watch it. I can't lie. I like the food. Yeah, I, pro- I probably I, – I, I can't I can't not, and I'm curious to see what happens, sort of. I mean, it would – at least we'll have a rooting interest, at least if it's not, you know, for the Steelers. I'll be rooting hard like I was rooting for the Giants and both of those Super Bowls be rooting for the Eagles and Nick Foles. What a crazy story that would be if they could actually win this thing. You know that there has been – this will be the third time a quarterback has started in the Super Bowl – uh, where he only started like three or less games during the regular season. I did not know that. The past two have won. So, of course, we know mm-hmm. that means absolutely nothing in this instance. But, I don't know, the odds are in favor. I think it was the Giants. What is this, Hofsteller? It was the Giants. And then I think Doug Williams for the Redskins. I could be wrong, but I know the Giants definitely did it in the early 90s. Well, let's close the chapter on our Who Cares section and move to the spotlight. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell. All eyes yep. upon Le'Veon. He reported today that he believes both sides are closer to a long-term deal than they were uh, last offseason. We're still talking about the franchise tag, but that is more hopeful than we've heard. Yeah, there's been a couple. Uh, bes- I mean, the, it came right from the horse's mouth. Le'Veon actually was interviewed. He talked about it. He said that. And then I think Schefter and I remember if stupid Rappaport said anything about it, but I know that some of the major – Writers and Fowler for ESPN all said the same thing and kind of intuitive, right? I mean, you did a, a summer's worth of negotiating. I mean, you don't have to start from scratch this time, but who knows? I mean, we'll, we'll take it as a good sign for, from the Steeler, for the Steelers and for us fans, um, but there's really no way to tell what's going to happen because uh, his comments in the past few weeks about retiring if they give him the franchise tag, a bunch of people don't believe that he could possibly pass up that much money um because it's a ton of money it would double almost double what he's earned in the nfl to this point but um it's hard to see how the steelers would sign him to a long-term deal i mean they're already strapped for cash a little bit as it is so can we dispense with another who cares story this is uh Le'Veon missing the saturday walkthrough prior to the game and then on sunday showing up later than the required time prior to game time Le'Veon reported today, uh, it's very talkative today, apparently, the Plus, uh, yeah. Pro Bowl. He said that he had personal reasons for missing and the coaches knew about it. So time to move on there. Yeah, and he kind of had to assume that as well. I think Trey Essex, who's been tweeting a lot about the Steelers, you know, former Steelers offensive lineman, he tweets a lot about them, kind of about the interpersonal locker room interactions during the course of the year. And he he always gives good insight on that. I mean, obviously he knows what he's talking about. He was there and he kind of suggested the same thing like there was obviously a, a reason for this but um i didn't really read too much into it when they when they wrote that headline it's just another week of the steelers having some drama but at the same time you know the guy really finds his way into the headlines very often so let's talk about Levion. you think he's let's probably gonna franch they're gonna franchise him that's what the overwhelming sentiment is around the league and in the media. Everyone thinks that they're going to uh, franchise him for sure. I mean, it's almost a foregone conclusion that they're going to franchise him. The first day you can franchise is on February 20th, and then the last day you can do it is March 6th or something like that. So they'll probably franchise him on the 20th. Um, 
even if it's just a, a placeholder to get a long-term deal in place. But unless the guy's going down on his asking price, I don't, you know, I don't know how you can give him more than the franchise tag. I mean, I, I wish I knew a little bit more about the cap and how to do that type of math because there's more than meets the eye. But uh, those, I was, I was definitely surprised by his comments saying that they're closer to a deal. I'll be very surprised if they reached a long-term deal, and very happy if they would. But I just don't know if it, if it is feasible. Well, later on the during the offseason, we are going to go through the salary cap and explain a little more how it works. I'd say there's some some room in the salary cap. I mean, you know, J.J. Wilcox got a $3 million contract? No yeah, dead yeah money. he's probably gone. He's probably gone. Um, there's a couple, there's going to be some there's going to be some cuts. I mean, there's going to be some veteran guys who are going to get cut. There's a lot of speculation Mike about Mike Mitchell. I don't know if he will be or not. I I mean, look, this defense is terrible. Let's hope he doesn't get cut. I mean, you're that's going to be a downgrade almost no matter what, unless you get some beast who slips to you in the draft. But um, I hate to mention this because it just felt terrible. But Ryan Chazier is uh, almost nine yeah. million dollars. Well, I think he's a guarantee. This would be his fifth year, and they picked up his fifth-year option before the year last year. I, I think they're still on the hook to pay him for that. Um, I stand corrected. You're right. They're on the hook. Obviously, we like it goes without saying. <laughs> number one thing is Ryan's health. That's what everybody wants. I mean, you know, I think we all know that. But now we're in the time of the offseason talking about numbers and where money is and Ryan's one of the star players for the Steelers who gets who gets paid that way and he you know we don't know if he'll be on the field or not and and so that's uh you know it affects a team with a lot of stars there that's a big contract that they might be paying for you know someone who might not be on the field so that of course affects the situation this year regardless do you like huh. the triple negative love it they're Bell will be back. The question is, do you want him back? Is it too much drama? He uh, he really was prolific this year, but we'll, we can go into a little depth into the numbers. He he didn't rank at the top of the charts um, in several key categories for running backs, as was thought previously when I did a little digging. Right, yeah, there's been some interesting numbers that came out. There's a guy, it's, I don't remember his name, sorry, he's at the Sporting News, I think, who wrote a great article on... Kind of the cons of of signing Le'Veon Bell, and you you say that he's going to be back. Uh, a lot of people think that, and the franchise tag is going to happen. But there's also been rumblings that he's not going to be back. Peter King says he's likely to go to the to the Raiders. There's some people who are really saying that San Francisco would be a de- destination that he could go to. I don't know how he would get out out of the franchise tag or something like that. But I guess the question is, if you look at this right now. Is it smarter to pay a guy $15, $17 million, which is way more than twice the next running back, next highest paid running back? You're going to pay him that kind of money after a 400 plus touch season and a 350 plus touch season the year before, based on what his production was. Now, for me, as a just a huge Steelers fan and a huge Le'Veon Bell fan, I think Le'Veon Bell is very legitimately through this portion of his career one of the best Steelers players that has ever played for the Steelers. And I don't even think it's a discussion. It's not sacrilegious at all. This guy is transcendent. There's been many times over the past three years where he's been arguably the best offensive player in the NFL. And the things he can do are unbelievable. And just just the catch against Telvin Smith um, in, the champ, in, in the divisional game, 
unreal to be able to catch that ball. It's a great throw by Ben, and it's a great catch by Ham, and it just demonstrates the type of mismatches he brings on the field. Okay, but you found some some numbers, and we talked about this throughout the course of the year. That let's just play devil's advocate here, because like I said, I'm a huge Le'Veon Bell fan. I think that what he does for a team is LeBron James like, where he makes the rest of the team better because of all the planning that they, the other team has to do from. In addition to some of the transcendent things he does, like stiff arm of death and everything. But let's play devil's advocate because there, it, it's not that absurd to suggest that at that type of salary, is it worth it? What are you giving up for that kind of salary? That's that's the question. It's hard to know. Does does Ben extend and spread out his dollars and make some cap space, or do you have to get rid of somebody who might otherwise contribute? That that's the question. What am I giving up in order to sign him? I'm going right. to assume they can make it. They can make it work. I I'm not sure that all those uh, road miles on him are relevant to me. I didn't see any signs of him slowing down. The only thing would be an injury at this point. Well, those have happened for him relatively frequently, number one. And number two is a very short list of running backs who have been successful after multiple seasons over 350 touches. There's a long history of them petering out a little bit. Um, this is hard for me to talk for a reason to not sign Le'Veon Bell because ultimately I do think they'll get him at least for this year. And ultimately I am rooting for him to stay on there because I just think – that a player that transcendent gives you a great shot at the Super Bowl with this nucleus. And I do think that they need him. But as far as you seeing no decline, there there was a little bit of a decline this year. And we talked about it throughout the course of the year. And now you have stats to back it up. He barely inched his way to four yards a carry. And that Sporting News article, he they talked about his successful runs, which the percentage was around 30%, particularly in early downs. He was one of the top three leading rushers in the league, but all of his efficiency as far as his averages and his um, his successful run rates were at like around 10 or below 10. So his success was a lot because of just the huge volume he got. So did he become a worse runner? The defenses play him better? You know, was it the Lions' fault? We talked about we wanted to see better blocking from the offensive line throughout the course of the year. We don't know, but it's a big sample size, and his numbers were down. So let's uh, throw out a couple of numbers just to give context. He had the most touches of any running back in the league. He had 406. The next highest was from LaShawn McCoy, who, who had 346. So 60 more touches than the next highest running back. His yards per touch were almost 4.8, which is sixth best of the running backs. Okay. Yeah. There was a... Uh, So I I would say, you know, have have teams figured him out? If they have, then it's incumbent on the offensive coordinator to scheme him open. I mean, he still has, uh, again, more receptions than any other running back in the league. 85, Alvin Kamara from uh, New Orleans had 81, but nobody was close to those guys. Um, but if you, you look point- at those numbers, Le'Veon had 85 for 655 yards. Kamara had 81, a couple less receptions for 826, almost. It's true, but more you, yards. But you are- I mean, it was more. It was more efficient. But at the same time, Alvin Kamara can't do what Le'Veon Bell does. Le- the New Orleans Saints had the most successful rushing attack in the league with a thunder and lightning type deal with Kamara as the lightning, the pass catcher, the huge play breaker and playmaker, and then uh, Ingram 
Mark Ingram is kind of the thunder guy. He's up the middle. He's getting some long runs. He's a power guy. Le'Veon Bell gives you that on the field every snap. He gives you both of those guys on the field every snap. So Swiss Army while, knife. Yeah, and while and and while people point out that there are other guys that are more efficient than him, uh, I mean yards per touch four point seven nine, six best of running backs. I'll take that. It's, it's a down year for him. His six highest, and the fact that you look at Kamara and some of these other guys with better numbers. And Kareem Hunt averaged 4.9 yards a carry, a full yard more than Le'Veon. But he – you can make the argument that, okay, he wants 15 or $17 million. You could get two good running backs for that. You could do a Patriots thing, like get a James White-type running back and a, you know, whoever, whatever, Rex Burkhead-type guy. And, and you could kind of get all the things that Le'Veon does. Well, the thing about Le'Veon is those things are on the field with him 100% of the time. And that not only makes your offense more versatile, it makes it less predictable, and it makes it much easier to to get matchups. Right. You could cut the kindling or you can open the bottle of wine with the Swiss Army knife. I think that the problem is, you know, we're comparing him to the cream of the crop in the league. As you said, six best, I'll take that every day of the week. We're not going to get one of the five other running backs that are in that list. Yeah. So that doesn't mean I would... I would absolutely do what it takes to, to keep him next year. You were pointing out all this year you were worried about the window closing. It looks yeah. like the window's still open. So let's put all the pieces on the field and go for it next year. Again, uh, new new offensive coordinator, maybe a new look, new role for Le'Veon, or, or a, a different scheme for him. Yeah, and hopefully they get someone to spell him a little bit more. I don't know where James Conner is going to be at with the leg injury, but they can't keep giving him 400 touches. I mean, he even well, said Riddler's that as much. That's there. what he wants to get paid. Hopefully the Riddler is out there. I liked what he did. I think a lot of us liked what he did. But I guess to just to close up this little section of the conversation, um, as a Steelers fan and a fan of Le'Veon Bell and what he does as a football player and a fan of watching him and how good I think he is, I want them to sign him to a long-term contract. He's a Steeler. He should go down as a Steelers legend. He's going to either way, but you don't want to see those guys leave. You want to see him stay in the black and gold as long as you can. But if he really wants $15 million or more a year, I mean, that's just uh, – he's going to still be getting paid that same amount three years from now. How many carries is he going to have then if he still goes off of this rate? And it's not like he's the only option on the Steelers. The Steelers have one of the most prolific passing attacks in the league. It's just Le'Veon gets the ball, right? So a long-term contract – at that high of a number, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but at least get him for this next year. And I think that the Steelers have another great, obviously, a great shot at the Super Bowl. And then after that, you, you, you figure it out with the running backs right. by committee. Okay. Well, let's move on. I, I did bring up the offensive coordinator. As everybody knows, Todd Haley has moved to Cleveland. Yes. There's nowhere <laughs> to go but up there. They have, uh, what, a first and a fourth pick in the first round? Do I have that right? They have like every other pick for the first three rounds, I think. For the next two years. Yeah, it's interesting. And they'll probably, let's be honest, they'll probably get a couple more this year too, right? Um, It's interesting because Hugh Jackson is the noted offensive wizard. And uh, he's hiring this guy and giving him complete control of the offense, allegedly. So I wonder if that's his decision to give him complete control, whatever that means. I guess that's play design, play calling, uh, scheme, philosophy. Um, I wonder if that's him or if that's the, 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 the Browns brass and let's see how that works again. I'm going to give another shout out to Sims and Lefko podcast, NFL podcast. They're, they're awesome. Those dudes are the bomb. Um, 
great insight on the whole NFL. One thing that they usually say that Chris Sims in particular says is he hates it when offensive, when like coaches, when they go from a coordinator role to a head coach role and they take their hand out of the side of the ball that like got them there. So like if a great coordinator goes to become a head coach somewhere, a great offensive coordinator becomes a head coach. Like he thinks it's stupid if that guy doesn't have a hand in the offense. Like that's why Sean McVay is really successful in San, uh, not San Louis, Los Angeles, because he still has a huge hand in the offense. And it would be weird to see Hugh Jackson, who's made his whole career off of offensive success, hand it completely over to Todd Haley. But we know that Haley, for as much crap as he takes, is a really good offensive coordinator. So maybe it'll be good for him. Which brings up a question for me. Yes. If a head coach has time to put his hands in either the side of the ball that got him there or the other side, exactly what do you do as a head coach? We don't know. So Facts it, when I get my team, in you and <laughs> my uh, head coach will be the coordinator also of a dual role. Anyway, Good. Todd Haley. Uh Team averaged third most yards per play during his tenure, and in the past four seasons, the Steelers ranked second in the league behind the Patriots. Yeah. It's a very successful offensive coordinator. My only beef, and we pointed this out, sort of live by the sword, die by the sword. Yeah. He had some really nice, he, he designed some really nice plays, but he just was so dogmatic. It was regardless of what he was facing, he would run on third and nine. Almost inevitably, that the outside run that Le'Veon had against Jacksonville. Come on, Toddy. Yeah, there, there's a lot of things. The, the cockiness and the brashness, which I think echoes Ben's personality as well. Ben has just made a career off of taking that deep shot and just throwing it so well. And it's interesting that they didn't mesh because it seems like systematically they both had that in mind. But really, with Todd Haley, just he just got too cute too many times and. Really, I got to assume it was the relationship with Ben that ran him out of town. So whether you think that's a good idea or not, it, it does seem a little un-Steelers-like um, to make a kind of switch like that. But, but you know, it's probably more to it than, than just his relationship with Ben. But, man, like you said, he designed some great plays. Just the shovel passes alone. I, I think there was maybe one unsuccessful shovel pass all year. But all the ways he found to get A.B. and Levy on the ball – all the different ways that he, you know, found a run, figured out how to run that counter play for two years, different shovel passes. He had a lot of cool things that he did in his offense, a lot of different formations, but uh, just too cute sometimes. And over and over again, I remember that Ravens game when we had Michael Vick and we missed a couple fourth downs. And even think about uh, Le'Veon Bell's game winner against the Chargers a couple years ago, where they went went wildcat from the one. Like that was such a cool move, but what a dumb play. I mean, everybody knows the play. I mean. So you're right. Live by the sword, die by the sword. Uh, I was sad to see him go, but looks like we got Randy Feetner moving in, so the continuity should still be there. This is our own. Uh, this is our own last name. That we're gonna. This is as bad as Favre. 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 It's not right. spelled Feetner. It's Fitchner. Fitchner. Anyway, we'll we'll do a whole episode on the etymology of uh, Randy's last name. What do you know about him? So initially I was a little bit nervous. I guess I hadn't known as much about him as I thought, um, or I hadn't realized where he had been. It's a little strange. He's 54 years old, never had an offensive coordinator job in the NFL, but
but he's been with the Steelers for quite some time. Ben really trusts them. The guy obviously knows Todd Haley's offense, if he's especially when he came down to the sideline and really was the conduit to run the thing. So uh, obviously he's knowledgeable, but he has had some some success in the past. He he was a coach at Arkansas State. I think it was in the late nineties. Did very well over there. I think uh, Lemon, what was this guy's name? Cleo Lemon or Cleo Lamont, who was a great CFL quarterback. And I, he played in the NFL for just a little bit, but uh, that was his star player there. And then, funny enough, he moved on to Memphis with D'Angelo Williams. Which I remember that team vividly. Uh, the great thing about him at Memphis was he was one of the first guys to really implement that spread offense, the spread college attack that is now so prevalent. He saw there were about six other teams using it. He was not afraid to implement that thing, and that's kind of one of his strengths. Whereas Todd Haley is dogmatic in his approach. Feetner has been known – I mean it's been a while since he's been a coordinator, but he's been known to adjust to what other teams are doing, which to me – Again, let's just always compare it back to the Patriots because if it wasn't clear now when they're in their 14th straight Super Bowl, they do it the right way. And what they do is they they don't do the same thing every week. They expose your weaknesses. So hopefully Feetner will be better for that. And then obviously he's got a great relationship with Ben Roethlisberger. So I would expect to see some more no huddle and that kind of stuff that Ben likes. We'll see so what kind in, of results uh, that yield. Yeah, so next tier down, as we know, Richard Mann retired. He he has been replaced by Daryl Drake, assistant coach yep. in the NFL for 14 years, and he will coach the wide receivers. Funny enough, he coached the guy that a lot of Steelers fans wanted to become the receivers coach. I don't know why, but apparently lots of Steelers Nation wanted Heinz Ward to be the receivers coach. I love Heinz Ward. I'm a freaking Steelers fan we all love Heinz Ward he is an all-time iconic great player not transcendent like Mean Joe or uh or Le'Veon Bell Antonio Brown for that matter but of course on the extended Mount Rushmore Steelers one of the greatest Steelers of all time but the guy's never coached ever you went from the best receivers coach in the league inarguably ran uh, Richard Mann was the best receivers coach I mean we don't even have to go over the number of people he brought through there but um, to go to somebody with no experience would be ridiculous. Drake has coached a bunch of good receivers in um, Arizona, besides the big obvious one. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to have him on board. I'm glad that they got someone with some experience. I hope Heinz just stays behind the microphone. Is he? Has he been on this year? I didn't see Hey, if he wants to move in like and slowly move up the ranks, I would lay the more the merrier. Although, currently, the, <laughs> the former Steelers – some of the former Steelers on the staff are some of the reason for concern when you talk about Joey Porter and Carnell Lake. So we've done a little defensive bashing uh, in the last episode, but uh, it always warrants a little revisiting because we get a little more specific. So apparently at this point, no changes on the defensive side of the ball. For some reason, <laughs> personnel or coaching wise, I can't believe that's going to stay the same way the whole summer, but that's what Mike Tomlin said. And look, they already moved the offensive coordinator out, I feel like they would have moved someone else. It looks like Butler is staying, much to my dismay. I mean, I guess— Practice makes perfect. <laughs> yeah, well, he's had a lot of practice and is far from perfect. It's probably worse than ever now. Well, I mean, Listen, I understand he lost Ryan Shazier, but, but dude, I mean, even the— Way I mean, before disaster. that. Way before and, that. And it was way before that. So you made an, a point about the fact that talented cornerbacks aren't seeming to develop. I mean, is 
is um, Artie Burns bad, or is he just not getting good guidance? So we're kind of looking at Carnell Lake. We are, because the Steelers traditionally take these players that are more athlete than polished guy. Bud Dupree, again, he had only played defensive end for one year. Artie Burns had barely started a year or something like that at Miami. He came out early. These guys are first-round athletes with probably second-round talent on them. Uh, people usually praise the picks but said that these guys are sort of de- developmental pro- um, prospects. So either the Steelers are amazing at drafting wide receivers and just can't pick a defense back for their lives or these guys aren't developing these athletes. And I mean, there's just, there's not a single person that's been successful in the secondary since Carnell Lake's around. I'm not giving you Troy Palomalu. You're not going to take credit for that type of transcendent talent. It's the word of the day. Uh, Carnell Lake and then Joey Porter. I mean, you got to think that this is going to be Bud Dupree's last year, right? I guess they'll pick up his fifth year option just because he'll be a part of the defense, but you're going to have two busts in a row with Jarvis and then Bud. I mean, I'm not saying Bud's a terrible player, but by no means is is he worth He's a second contract. <laughs> nice. He's not even not a, you can't even send him in to the backfield. He doesn't know how to get there. But so moving on, we well, yeah, just last thing to say, that, that was a little scatterbrain. They're not going to fire Butler, and I guess it was written in stone that they were going to fire Haley. So to me, yeah, you, you don't want to fire both your coordinators. That seems like you would lose a lot of continuity. But the track record is horrendous for Butler. This defense has been bad, and it's getting worse. So I don't know how that's going to change. I don't know how you can't re- release those two positional coaches, Joy Porter and Carnell Lake, with just the – the consistent level of failure that those positions have had. Um, not looking forward to it. Don't don't love it, but let's hope they figure something out. Well, that's essentially all we got. Anything else, Nick? A uh, little side note, I'm not playing in the Super Bowl. You can look at this as a silver lining, or you can just dig yourself deeper into that depression that I'm still working my way out of. Uh, basically the entire AFC offense in the Pro Bowl this week is the, are the Steelers. Ben, Please nobody get hurt. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Little chance of that They'll in be the out Pro there. Bowl. Not a lot of defense going on there, hopefully. But you got Ben, A.B., Le'Veon, Rosie Nix now, Marquise Pouncey. Standing right next to him is going to be David DeCastro, and right next to him is Alejandro Villanueva. They had some cool pictures of that um, today with – this this camera guy is awesome. He caught the angle down the line so that you could only see Villanueva, who was playing right tackle actually for the pole ball, I guess, next to DeCastro, next to Pouncey as they were getting down in their stances and Ben right behind them. <laughs> and you got Randy Feetner, Fitchner, coaching the offense with Mike Tomlin and uh, our boys coaching the whole team. So it I seems a little ben. weird that we're not in, this, in, the, in the freaking Super Bowl with all the players in the Pro Bowl. I see Ben standing behind that line in a Hawaiian shirt with a cigar. Yeah, I'm sure he will be. So looking ahead to the offseason, we have a lot planned for our uh, episodes. So one of the first things we're going to do is we're going to compile all our grades for 2017 and give a final grade per each position and a little bit more in-depth analysis of that. We are going to look to our 2018 needs, positional needs, and we'll do a little bit of capology. We'll take a look. We'll explain what the cap is, sort of the elements of the cap, and maybe where the Steelers have room or where they need to make room. And, of course, we're going to be looking forward to the draft. 
Yep, we're going to look at those knees. We're going to look at a lot of inside linebackers and safeties. So uh, in looking at the statistics and the feedback we're getting from you, we want to give a big shout-out to our friend Sean, a.k.a. Robin, who gave us a five-star rating on iTunes. We saw Sean out in D.C. this last week, and he told, uh, told us that he listens to the whole show while driving. A bigger shout-out to Cassidy, Sean's girlfriend, who patiently permits him to listen to a hyper-focused podcast on an out-of-town NFL franchise. So thanks a lot, Sean. Thanks, Cassidy. Thank you. Hello. So we will be back on track, on time next week on Monday. Please tune in. Give us some feedback. We're at Steelers Outpost at Gmail. Hit us on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Please leave us a five-star rating if you think we have deserve it, at least for this week. Sorry for being we late do. again. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us. All right, everybody. Go Steelers and go Eagles next week. For justice, for God's sake, please. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye-bye. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.